Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jack podcast. It's so good to have you back. My name is Dustin and I'll be your host today. And today on the Friday show, we're going to talk about black history and black history most specifically, black voices and characters in modern fandoms. And more specifically, in the kinds of fandoms that we talk about here on the show, you know, comic books, video games, movies, that sort of thing. Now, this is the Friday show, so hopefully you got an opportunity to listen. Yesterday, we had the flagship voyage, the maiden voyage, the first ever premiere of a new show on the podcast, the Culture Jack News Desk hosted by Archimedes Abigail. So hopefully you got got a taste of that. And then before that, Anthony gave you another episode of Monday Madness to start off your week. And then last weekend, of course, we had another, another episode of on today's episode where I get to dissect and discuss the latest episode, in this case, of WandaVision, episode number seven. So hopefully you got to do all that. And we're going to have another one of those episodes tomorrow as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, So hopefully you got an opportunity to listen to all of those shows. And like I said, I had planned previous, if you've been listening to the last couple podcasts, on talking about archival in movies and in television to kind of finish up my uh, three-part series. You know, put a nice little bow on top of my three-part series talking about that stuff, talking about preservation in modern media. But... I then realized that we are coming up on the end of February and February is Black History Month. And so I thought I would be doing a very particular disservice to this podcast if we did not take a moment to celebrate black voices within this particular corner of the entertainment world. And I know I'm probably not the right guy to talk about this. I'm a pasty white guy who is not incredibly educated, so I don't have some storied history with uh, black culture and history itself. However, I do realize that it's important to lend lend uh, a platform to at least discussing and acknowledging the fact. So if I get things wrong, please let me know. Find me in a comment. Send me an email. But representation is very important. I think when I first, like it first really clicked for me how important it was, was during the premiere of Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie. (laughs) I take that back. The first modern Wonder Woman uh, movie. When Gal Gadot was, she was doing an interview with someone and they were showing clips and they showed a clip of Gal Gadot interacting with this young girl who was dressed up completely as Wonder Woman. And this little girl, she just had stars in her eyes. And so it it just made me realize that there are not that many mainstream female superheroes for little girls to look up to. I have a daughter, and I would love for her to be able to look up to a hero that she could see herself in. And so the same thing goes for black history. It goes for black characters, black voices, black representation in film, in movies, and in comic books. And I can only imagine how incredible it was for the community to to see T'Challa and to see the movie Black Panther and to see all of the all of the characters, a majority black cast 
do so well in this arena, in modern cinema, in the MCU. Uh, and so I, I wanted to just kind of talk about some of the prominent black characters and black voices in this section of the, of the entertainment industry. And so I want to start with Black Panther, King T'Challa. He was played famously by Chadwick Boseman, rest in power. Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately, passed last summer. Um, but the character, Black Panther, King T'Challa, first appeared in Fantastic Four number 52 back in July 1966. Uh Black Panther, the character's name, predates the Black Panther Party, but not the Lowndes County uh, Freedom Organization or the segregated WW2, the World War II, uh, Black Panther's tank battalion, who used a Black Panther logo. And when confronted about this, this strange uh, duplicity of Black Panther character versus the Black Panther logo that was used in these uh, two organizations, uh, Stan Lee said it was just a strange coincidence. Uh, the 2018 Black Panther movie grossed over $1.3 billion, and it is currently the 12th highest grossing film of all time. So, so to say that Black Panther, the 2018 movie, was anything less than a cultural phenomenon would be an understatement and be an underselling of the character. Uh, so that was, that was, I think probably the most iconic black comic book character turned into movie superhero that we have had. However, he was by far not the first, the first one that we experienced in uh, film, which I didn't even know was a Marvel character was blade portrayed by Wesley Snipes. And he's going to be played by Mahershala Ali, uh, and that uh, actor played Cornell Cottonmouth Stokes in Netflix, Luke Cage. I'm going to talk a little bit about Luke Cage as well. Um, he was the best character of Luke Cage. Like, Luke Cage was good. Um, who, who was it? Mike Coulter, who played Luke Cage or Power Man. Um, he was good, and he, he was a great hero. He had a strong moral compass, and he reminded me of my buddy Van, who was just like a very straight-laced you know, a straightforward character. Uh, but Cottonmouth was the best villain that we had in the Luke Cage series because I, I don't know. It was just the dynamic between him and Luke Cage, this kind of cat and mouse that they played with each other. Um, anyway, Blade first appeared in the tomb of Dracula number 10 in 1973 uh, of course, Wesley Snipes famously portrayed Blade in the trilogy that earned $450 million uh, at the box office. And so a lot of people say that Blade, the modern superhero tale and the modern superhero movie industry owes a good deal uh, to Blade. To the Blade movie. And I didn't even know it was a Marvel character when it first came out. I thought, oh, this is a cool vampire hunter story. And it's uh, bloody and violent and I shouldn't be watching it. And my parents are going to be so mad. But I didn't realize that that was a Marvel character. And so apparently Blade has a long and storied history in the Marvel comics 
as well, dating back all the way to July of 1973. Luke Cage uh, is Power Man, played by Mike Coulter. He first appeared in Hero for Hire number one in June 1972. Uh, it was on Netflix for two seasons before it was shut down along with all the other Marvel characters. And really, uh, out of all of the Marvel characters, Luke Cage didn't need to be shut down. Daredevil didn't need to be shut down. The Punisher could have kept going. Jessica Jones, I think, was kind of waning, but could have kept going as well. The only one that really needed to be given the axe was Iron Fist. And I heard one of the producers uh, or one of the creatives behind the Iron Fist series uh, talk about how... It was, it was really going to be in Iron Fist Season 3 on Netflix that Danny Rand really got his powers and became the Iron Fist. You don't make a superhero show and blue ball us for the, for the actual superhero for two seasons before even giving him the powers in Season 3 or really using the powers because he had them. But all he had really in the first two seasons was angst and a closed glowing fist. But I'm not here to talk about Danny Rand. I'm here to talk about black characters like Luke Cage. You know who didn't blue ball us their powers? Luke Cage. Because Luke Cage had his powers before he was even in his own show, Luke Cage. He had his powers when he was when he that character premiered on Jessica Jones as Jessica Jones' boyfriend. And in the comics, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, they were married. They had a child together. Anyway, Luke Cage was really good. I enjoyed the indestructible nature. I, when it gets into him losing his powers, and I know that's an incredible character arc in a lot of comic book stories, but it just, mm, he was best with his powers. The next character that I want to talk about is Jon Stewart. Uh, he first appeared in Green Lantern number 87 in December 1971. Now, this is the version of the Green Lantern that I know and love, uh, mostly from that Justice League cartoon that happened in the early 2000s. Uh, when, when Ryan Reynolds was famously given the part of Green Lantern, uh, I was aghast because I was like, this is, this is not the Green Lantern. There's no way a white guy can be the Green Lantern. Little did I know that Hal Jordan predated Jon Stewart in the comics. Because I, I wasn't a comic reader. I was a fan of the old cartoon. And so I was pretty surprised that Ryan Reynolds could be given the role. I'm like, he's not a black man. This doesn't work for me. Uh, Nick Fury is another... A lot of these are Marvel characters. And I apologize. And I... I fear that this podcast is fast becoming a podcast about Marvel characters, um, Marvel stories, Marvel shows, Marvel movies. But it, I guess it kind of is. I, that's my preferred medium. I, I am obsessed with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anyway, Nick Fury was portrayed by Samuel L. Jackson, and that debuted uh, that character debuted in Fantastic Four number 21 in December 1963. The thing about this character, this was a white character. And he was um, 
he was actually portrayed in a 1998 movie, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., portrayed by David Hasselhoff. So at your trivia night, if you have <laughs> if you have a question that says which famous comic book character uh, comic book character was portrayed in movie film by both David Hasselhoff and Samuel L. Jackson, you'll know that your answer is Nick Fury. Uh, in 2008, Sam Jackson, of course, made his uh, debut as Nick Fury in Iron Man and then continued throughout the, uh, the rest of the MCU. And his portrayal of Nick Fury was so popular that in the comics, they eventually retconned who Nick Fury was. They didn't, they didn't change Nick Fury, but Nick Fury had a son and his son was an African-American uh, and he, his character model was done uh, off of the portrayal of Sam Jackson's Nick Fury uh, from the movies. So I think that's kind of cool. And it's kind of interesting, too, how there is a there's a crossover of comics to movies, obviously. How much of it are we seeing that this cross back from movies back to comics? Like, how much are we going to see these characters change in the future? I'm very excited. I'm very excited, um, especially because it's written in so well. They didn't just change Nick Fury from a white guy to a, a black guy. They they made Nick Fury's son a black guy. And then he became Nick Fury, the same Nick Fury that we, we know and that we love. Uh, Monica, Ram <laughs> Monica Rambeau. Monica Rambeau. I get choked up every time. Uh She's being played by Tiona Paris in WandaVision presently. And it's so cool because we are getting to witness the birth of a superhero. We are getting to see her origin story. And I was just, I can't remember who I was listening to the other day, but it seems like very rarely are we anymore getting an introduction to these heroes? When was the last origin story that we had? Was it Captain Marvel? I think it might have been Captain Marvel because they didn't give us one for Spider-Man. Origin movies are very uh, late 2000s. Uh, we're, we're in the world of, of comic book heroes now. We don't need origin stories anymore. All we do, all we need is to get those characters that we know and love inserted into a Marvel film. That's what we need to do. Regardless, Monica Rambeau, her, she first appeared in the Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 16 in October of 1982. Uh, she has been known as Photon and Pulsar and Spectrum in the comics. Uh, I really love her interactions in the show. I love her interactions with Jimmy Woo. And then most recently in episode seven, probably episode eight. I haven't seen episode eight yet of WandaVision uh, with Wanda Maximoff as well. So here's hoping that her and Wanda team up to fight Agatha or heck, whoever Agatha's boss is in that case. Uh, the next one that I have on my list is uh, Shuri. Uh, of course, T'Challa's younger kid sister, uh, Latita Wright. Now, I have been talking about for a long time how not a long time since Chadwick Boseman passed that it wouldn't be right to bring back another T'Challa to take the place of Chadwick Boseman. 
because he the way he played that character was uh, iconic and irreplaceable. However, I have long said as well that I think Shuri would be a wonderful replacement for Black Panther, uh, a, a wonderful successor to the throne. Lo and behold, in my research, looking at these characters online before I recorded this podcast, there is actual comic book precedent for her taking place of Black Panther. She was the Black Panther, um, and her character first appeared in Black Panther number two in May 2005. So she's a relatively new character, um, but one that I think could have a wonderful wonderful story in the MCU. We've also got other upcoming black characters in the MCU that are going to be either hosting their own shows or taking place in other shows. And the first, the first of the two that I've written down here is uh, Ironheart, a character named Riri Williams, who apparently has already been cast by uh, Dominique Thorne is who's going to play her in the MCU. Um, They've got that upcoming show in development. I believe it's called Iron Heart. And she first appeared in the Invincible Iron Man number seven back in 2015. She is a super genius. Of course, anyone that plays an Iron Man type character is a super genius. Uh, She attends uh, MIT on a scholarship. She's noticed by Tony Stark after apparently she re uh, reverse engineers his his Iron Man suit and makes one of her her own. Now, my question is, how are they going to add her to the story when Iron Man seems such an integral part of her particular origin story? And I think the way that they do it or the thing I think the way that they should do it is I know uh, Robert Downey Jr. has said he's not going to do any more cameos into the MCU or he's not going to do any more movies, but he could do a cameo. There was a five year time period before the Avengers went back to fight Thanos and return everyone from the blip in that five year time period. Is it so outlandish to believe that Tony Stark scouted a young enterprising MIT student named Riri Williams to take up the mantle of Iron Man. So there would be someone there when they're ready. I still insist that that five-year gap between Infinity War and Endgame is enough to introduce some amazing characters. And it gives Marvel, it gives the MCU an opportunity to use characters that have maybe already been introduced to the universe. They just haven't been introduced to us yet. They haven't been introduced to the audience. So I think that would be a wonderful time to get Ironheart in there and at the same time preserve some of her comic book origins a little bit. That's what I think. And then uh, the last character in the Marvel docket that I wanted to talk about really quick is Miles Morales. So his father's a black man, uh, his mother, uh, Puerto Rican, and he first appeared in Ultimate Fallout number four in August of 2011. So also a relatively new character. And then uh, famously, he had that 2018 movie into the spider verse, which won an Academy award for best animated feature. And he was played by uh, Shamik Moore. Now the thing is uh, he is, he also has a video game 
uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is on the PlayStation 5. I've heard really good things about it. I've only played the first Spider-Man, and I'm an Xbox guy, so I'm not going to get to play this one. Maybe. Maybe someday I'll be a PlayStation 5 guy. Uh, There was some controversy with his character, with people saying that the creators were being too politically correct, um, or the character's origins were to take over the mantle of Peter Parker. And the thing about Miles Morales and Spider-Man is he's not taking over Spider-Man. He's not becoming Spider-Man. He is becoming a Spider-Man. Like, a Spider-Man is a title. Spider-Man is not just a person. It's a title. It's Captain America is a title. In the MCU, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we are very likely going to see either Bucky or we're going to see Sam take over the title. There's another uh, amazing MCU uh, black character that's represented in the film. Uh, We're going to see one of them take over the mantle of Captain America. And so similarly, there are a lot of spider people. There's spider Gwen. There's uh, spider man. Who's miles Morales. There's Peter Parker and, and others. If you've seen spider verse. So I am hoping that we get an introduction to the MCU version of miles Morales, because I know that we will, we will get a miles Morales in the MCU. And it looks like there are going to be certain universe multiverse bending aspects of Spider-Man three. And so I'm hoping I got my fingers crossed that we are going to see some version of miles Morales enter the Spider-Man universe, enter the MCU universe or the Sony spider verse or make another movie. There's going to be another spider verse movie, uh, the same style of the first one. Cause that comic book style was so iconic in that first spider verse movie. I'm very excited to see, um, again. So there was, uh, I just had a quick note here, some black characters in video games and I couldn't find as much representation in video games. So maybe we still have a ways to go before there's really good, um, black representation in video games. Barrett in final fantasy seven, uh, Augustus Cole in Gears of War, C.J. Johnson in uh, GTA San Andreas, and Franklin in GTA V, Bangalore and Lifeline in Apex Legends. Now, the GTA games, I didn't get to experience too much with these characters because GTA games, I notoriously don't finish at all. Lifeline's a good character in Apex Legends. She's really helpful with the uh, health pack and the... Um, the drop, I saw a funny meme online where it was like she's calling down her drop and then just all of the teams focused in because she was just alerting them to the position. Uh, black characters that have appeared in anime, Yorichi on Bleach. Uh, she was the cat who kind of took Ichigo under her wing. Killer B in Naruto, he's one of the Jinchuriki who housed um, or he housed the Jinchuriki. I can't remember. There's two titles, two titles to him, but he spoke exclusively in uh, written, written rhyme. Uh, <laughs> he kind of rapped a little bit. And then there was Jet in Cowboy Bebop, who, 
You know, as a bald, bearded man myself, one of the only characters in anime that I think I could cosplay as, he's also a giant of a man, so I don't know if it, <laughs> I'd be a uh, a race-swapped, short, a height-swapped jet of a character if I were to ever cosplay jet. Uh, Kuzan in One Piece, one of the, what are they, the admirals or lieutenants for the, the Imperial Navy, and he can make ice. He rides a, his, his devil fruit. For those of you that watch anime, that watch One Piece, he had like a freezing devil fruit. And so I guess, I guess I'm going to get into One Piece now. Uh, these devil fruit bestow powers upon the people that eat them. And the main character, Monkey D. Luffy, eats one called the gum gum fruit so he can stretch his arms, you know, way out far. Uh, Kuzan... He ate one that allows him to manipulate ice and to turn things into ice. The, the thing about the devil fruit, though, is you, if you eat the devil fruit, you become an anchor. You can no longer swim. You sink to the bottom of the ocean. So Kuzan, how he navigates the ocean is on a bicycle. And as he's riding this bicycle, he rides it across the ocean and just freezes where he is riding. A very interesting character. And then finally, there was uh, Oob from Dragon Ball Z, who is, of course, the reincarnation of Majin Buu. Uh, okay, so those are a, a lot of the characters that have, uh, they've impacted me, that have been uh, showcased, I guess, in in this particular arena, in this particular, this particular fandom. Uh, I, I want to, I want to close this piece on... Uh, talking about some of the black creators, uh, just kind of lend this platform, lend this podcast to boosting, boosting these black creators in this area. And there's, I've been watching, I've been watching TikTok for a little bit. I'm, I'm a new TikTok boy, but I'm on TikTok. And there's three creators on TikTok that talk about just this kind of stuff, just this kind of stuff that we talk about here on Culture Jacked. And uh, they are Theories Byte, so that's T-H-E-O-R-I-E-S-B-Y-T. Uh, he, for those of you watching WandaVision and want some thorough analysis, dissection, discussion, theorizing, tune into this guy. Actually, all, all three of these guys are... <laughs> Are, I'm, I'm big into the WandaVision stuff right now. Uh, the next one is House of Geeks. Spelled exactly as it sounds. No spaces. Uh, and then the third and final one is Straw Hat Goofy. And so under after the straw, it's an underscore for, or no, straw, <laughs> straw hat, straw underscore hat underscore Goofy. Uh, <laughs> which I love this because it's obviously a play on Straw Hat Luffy from my favorite anime, One Piece. And then the fourth creator on TikTok is not necessarily in this arena. He's a stand-up comedian. Uh, you should really watch his his TikTok videos if you have an opportunity. His name is Che Darina, and it's C-H-E-D-U-R-E-N-A. No spaces. He's hilarious, and he's got some really <laughs> disgusting hot takes, but he's super funny. 
Super funny, super good. Uh, also, a uh, a character that I've been watching on, not a character, a person that I've been watching on YouTube for a long time now, uh, his YouTube channel is Black Nerd Comedy. He's a guy named Andre, and he has... He has a passion for this comic book stuff, for this uh, movie stuff, for anything nerdy, as he likes to say, that I have seen. It's pretty much unparalleled. And I've watched him over the last few years grow into a like he's been to red carpet events for some of these Marvel movies. He has gotten sponsorships from some very big people. I'm very impressed with Andre. If you haven't checked him out on YouTube, go check out him on YouTube, those guys on TikTok. And then finally, I wanted to showcase a creator in this space, a black creator in this space, who I've only recently just started listening to, but I I plan to listen to a lot more. And his name is Mark Bernardin, and he co-hosts a podcast with Kevin Smith, Fat Man Beyond. I believe it's Fat Man Beyond. But I'm, I just went to his wiki page. I'm going to I'm going to learn you up a little bit on Mark Bernardin here. Learn myself up a little bit on him as well. He was born in 1971. He's an American journalist, a public speaker, uh, a TV and comic book writer and a podcaster. Um, he's written for GQ, Wired, uh, Details, Vulture, Playboy. Oh, Mark, you you bad boy. And Empire. He's been a staff writer for Castle Rock, Treadstone, and Carnival Row, and is currently a supervising producer on Star Trek Picard. Uh, he was an inter- intern on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, staff staff writer for sci-fi series Alphys, Hulu's series Castle Rock, and Treadstone. We already said that. Like I said, he does the Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith. He has a second podcast called The Battlestar Galacticast with uh, Trisha Helfer. In 2018, he won an Inkpot Award, an honor bestowed annually since 1974 by Comic-Con International. Uh, In 2019, uh, he joined other WGA writers in firing their agents as part of the WGA's stand against the ATA and unfair practice of packaging. I don't know what any of that means. I have to look that up after this podcast because I'm very curious now. But at the very least, it sounds like he stood with his fellow writers and is not a scab. Don't be a scab, kids. Don't break the line. On August 18th, 2019, it was announced that he would be serving as writer for Masters of the Universe Revelation on Netflix. I'm so excited for this. I have such fond uh, memories, such fond nostalgia for He-Man. And I cannot wait to see it rebooted, especially with uh, Mark and Kevin talking about just how excited they are for the project. And it, it makes me feel like it's going to be good. Like they're not going to spare any expense when it comes to animation, voice acting, story. It's going to be, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be, but I'm excited and I'm hopeful that it is. Then on February 21st uh, of 2020, uh, Bernardin was announced to be part of the writing team for the upcoming animated series, The Legend of Vox Machina, for Amazon Prime Video. So he's very busy uh, as well. He's got a huge bibliography when it comes to comic book writings. I'm just looking here, some of them 
Wolverine, Dark X-Men, X-Men Origins, Spider-Man, uh, A Meal to Die For, Static Shock. Static Shock is another uh, famous black character who was on... What network was he on when we were when we were younger? I don't know, but he was a he was, that was a fun show as well. Uh, Rampage Adventures, a Genius Love is Love, Genius Cartel, King in Black. Oh, the King in the Black. That's the new one. That's the new uh, new story arc where there's like the symbiote god or symbiote controller from space that comes to Earth and everyone's trying to fight him. Regardless, Mark Bernardin, if you have not seen his work, check him out. Uh, Fat Man Beyond is where I listen to him most. Uh, so I think that's a good place to start. Anyway, I don't know if I did a good job. I don't know if uh, this was respectfully done. I hope it was. I don't know if there's if there's things that I missed, people that you think have black voices in the industry that are underrepresented or misrepresented, please, please drop a comment, leave us a, leave us a email, get a hold of us somehow. Um, share with us on Twitter. We're not on it much, but you can, you can do it. Also, that is the end of the first Friday show without news. I'm so nervous. I hope it goes well. How long are we at? 30 some odd minutes. Okay, I suppose that's a pretty good good size show. Anyway, check out our other shows. Tomorrow there will be another episode of on today's episode, then on Monday, Monday Madness, and then back again on Thursday for uh, Mr. Archimedes Abigail and the Culture Jack News Desk. Make sure you leave us a review. It works well with the algorithms to let more people know that you're interested in watching the show, and they should be too. Get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter at Culture Jack, or leave us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Other than that, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Cheers. <laughs>